Hey everybody, welcome back to Electrofans Pro Talk, our new series of interviews and think tank discussions with electronic music movers and shakers. I'm your host, Kevin Pajak. We have as our special guest today, Golustian. Arthur Golustian is a producer, a DJ, remixer, and radio show host, as well as author of the book Nomadic Producers Handbook. He's gotten support from the likes of Paul Oakenfold, Lange, Max Graham, Hernan Cataneo, Nick Warren, Armin Van Buren, and Judge Jules, among others. His Facebook page describes his music as dangerously riding the borders of deep progressive house, melodic techno, and trance. Arthur, welcome to Pro Talk, man. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Thank you for having me on. Yeah, awesome to have you on. Uh, so go ahead and tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself and how you got started in music. Um. How, how much time do we have here to talk about that? Because I can either make that a really long yeah, story. Yeah, it's or like your life story. <laughs> yeah, I guess, um, yeah, you can kind of uh, add a little bit and like maybe a couple minute intro, like on in your background. And, you know, I guess yeah, maybe sure. a little bit about your, um, do you have formal training in music? Are you like self-taught, you know, like musical family? I guess that's sort of the usual. So, kind of things. Yeah, I do come from a musical family. My dad's side of the family, um, the piano has been a... Mm-hmm. Um, has been a tradition for for generations so growing up my sister and i we both had to play the piano um at first it was out of love and then it was just purely out of discipline and there was a time when i just did not want to do it anymore it just is not it was not fun um and yeah so i i, I took lessons until uh, about high school and then i was just too busy with school to continue and i think that's about the same time i started to fall in love with electronic music so i just naturally wanted to know how this stuff is made and I kind of went back to it. So, so yeah, and in hindsight, I'm very grateful for that. Um, but yeah, I didn't really start to take it seriously until, um, in, until college when I got involved in, in public radio. So I got involved with the local public radio station, which was also on, a, on campus. And I went in there and I was just blown away with all the vinyl they had in there. And, um, all the all the radio shows it was just such a different outlet from what you'd hear on commercial radio and there was an electronic music show already there there were there were like one or two i think um and yeah really long story short they uh they said i could apply for an internship and i did just purely for fun i applied and um and i was asked to co-host a show with someone and that was kind of my my foot in the door i'd i'd say to to doing it on a somewhat professional level although at that point it was still a hobby yeah that was and actually one of my other like official questions too is like i thought <laughs> i'd seen that you were a dj and uh fm radio back in the day and you know just wanted to see what that was like so was that actually spinning uh vinyl records for that for that gig as well yeah um because okay. because around that time i you know i i had i was into this music for a few years by that point and i had a pretty good collection okay. of of music and um i started playing at like at house parties in, in college and mm-hmm. um and at frat parties and stuff like that so that kind of coincided with my time in radio and and yeah at that time it was it was it was mostly vinyl i'd um i'd, I'd do actually yeah all vinyl sets and any time i did a live set it was all on vinyl um i did have some cds and stuff that i would take in i'd have guests coming on board and that show grew um you know i have such fond memories from my time there it's it was like kuci 88.9 fm and um yeah so the that show was like grew college radio basically. where 
Yeah, yeah. But okay, it wasn't yeah. just for college students. It was open to the community. So it okay. was kind of like uh, like KCRW or, or something like that, where if you as long as you were a member of the community, as long as you were living, uh, living there, then you could apply for a show. So um, okay. but yeah, it's uh, it, it was it was a really good experience. And um, yeah, I, I'd say at the at the at the height of the show, we were doing live broadcasts with uh, with the clubs nearby. So I, um, I mean, I was DJing around quite a bit. So I would bring guests from like LA and Orange County, and um, and I'd basically have the promoters that I was working with come on board too. And then spoke to um, uh, one of the guys who was working with Giant at the time, and we started having live broadcasts. So like Armin van Buren was playing at at the local club, and we had like uh, what Carl Cox and Dubfire and Miss Nine and yeah, a bunch of really amazing acts above and beyond when they were on tour came through to the studio. Yeah, and I think, I, if think you I saw that. Google, yeah, you can yeah. still see that interview. So you had all these guys, yeah, you brought so all those guys a, physically in person into the studio to do the interviews with them, I guess. Then, huh? um, some of them were, yeah, physically in the studio. Others were through live broadcast. So we basically oh, okay. set up a, okay. a remote mm -hmm. um like a, a remote life, like a live stream, oh, okay. basically from the venue, okay. and it was being broadcast. So if you weren't at the yeah. club, you could tune into to okay. the uh, to, on the FM dial and 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 hear the broadcast. So yeah, um, so that was kind of my uh, my in, and everything really expanded from there. It began to demand more and more of my time, and I, you know, realized that I was just insanely passionate about this. So um, uh -huh. that's the start. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and actually, you have your own uh, radio show, right? Global Entry. Um, what kind of things can listeners expect to hear on the show? And actually what I thought I might do is just pull up uh, um, just a show that our listeners uh, just play for them, just a little snippet of what that's about. So what was, I guess, what are your intentions with global entry music wise? What types of musical content do you like to spin on that, uh, that show? Yeah, it's, it's mostly the type of music that I'm into at the moment, which is okay. uh, as far as genres, you'll hear mostly melodic house and techno, progressive house, deep house, a lot of organic house now too, um, the organic house down tempo. So like, I don't know, maybe 115 BPM all the way up to 128. So it's a pretty wide range of stuff. Okay. And yeah, I think in general, and it's not, you know, it's not 100% pinned to that sound, but there, there are like world influences in the type of music that I play. Um, from places that I've traveled or um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. It's music that I think is kind of uh, transcendental in some way and uh, and has this ethereal quality to it um, in any genre. So okay. so yeah, it's um, it's it's basically just a reflection of my tastes over the last uh, twenty years or so. Um, whether that's my travels or just the music that influenced me. Um, the people that I've been working with, the labels that I've worked with, labels that inspire me um and that could be from anywhere in the world so uh it's kind of why it's called global entry radio it's actually named after the uh the the travel program which you can sign up for uh if you're in the u.s you can sign up for global entry which gives you easier access uh, in and out of countries so that's where the name came from okay yeah let's pull up a clip uh like a minute or so here let me share that with everybody uh yeah let's see one second here pull this up Okay, this is a global entry radio from Galustian. Let's have a listen here.
Global citizens of the world, welcome to Global Entry Radio with me, Galestian. This month is a special month, in addition to the music you're about to hear on the show. Be on the lookout for two exclusive mixes that I've done, one for KISS FM in Australia, which I'm super excited about as it's the first time I'm breaking into that part of the world, and second, an hour and a half long mix I did for Suprematic Sounds. You can check out my SoundCloud page for updates at soundcloud.com forward slash Galestian Music. So that said, to change things up, I'm going to keep this mix slightly more on the chilled outside. I connected with Third Son at a friend's birthday celebration in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia years ago. He's a prolific producer from the UK, and this is his track called Metamorphosis One off of his own Polymath record label. Okay, yeah, so that's a sample of uh, Arthur's show there, Global Entry. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, spin a little sample of that for everybody. Yeah. And I think, so that was your latest edition, uh, June 2021. We just uh, had to listen to you too. So, yeah, so it looks like you've done a couple guest mixes, um, stuff like that. Oh, speaking of guest mixes, yeah, I had on my list here too. So you did a mix for uh, Paul Oakenfold's uh, Planet Perfecto. Uh, and after that, you were signed as his label, actually, Perfecto Black. Um, how did that come about? And uh, what was the response been like um, for your, I guess, your career in music afterwards, after your association with Paul? Yeah, I think um, I'm really grateful for for those opportunities working with Perfecto Black and, and Paul Oakenfold. I think it's, you know, if I had to choose one label that uh, that I've been consistently releasing on and I, that, that, that still feels like home, I'd say it's that label. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, when I was first getting into this music, you know, uh, you know, Paul's music really grabbed me at the time. And I think he's just, um, you know, it, 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 he's contributed so much to the scene and to be, to be working with someone like that, it's, it's, it's really something I'm grateful for. And it's, it's truly been an honor. So yeah, the first record that I signed to his label is actually, um, it was just a, a promo actually, it was called Rituals and I wrote it while I was in Japan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think uh, I was in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually um, the intro to the radio show, the, 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 you know, the sample is from that track because that was the first track that I signed to his label. So oh, okay. Um, yeah, I originally sent it to him as a as an unsigned promo, and uh, and he started playing it on his radio show. Just it wasn't signed at all at the moment. It was just uh-huh. you know unreleased, and he was he just started playing it on the radio show. And nice. um, after a few spins, uh, he decided that he wanted to sign it since it um, since it was open. So that was really my my first release with them, and I think everything kind of opened up from there. I I I, I think to date I've done five or could be six releases. I know at least five. Um, so it's um, it's been great working with the label. And uh, yeah, I mean, he um, he had me on as a guest on his Planet Perfecto radio show, which was awesome. Yeah. And we ended up collaborating on a track together. 
in 2019, a track called Summer Nights, which was released in July of 2019. So yeah, I think just yeah, one door opens up others and you just got to walk through. <laughs> yeah, maybe once things more and more so open you know, up and up again officially full on, maybe you can do some touring, you know, gig with gig with them too, you know. Imagine that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm open to, to all possibilities, yeah. Yeah, Paul, if you're listening. So, and so, yeah, so you're pretty, not only a producer, but also a DJ as well too, right? Um, what would you say is the most, um, well, I guess I should ask you first too, like a um, little bit, I know obviously too, this is a hugely broad question, but your experience as a DJ, but um, yeah, a little bit about that and that, what is the most memorable gig you've ever done as a DJ? Sort of two in one that's, thing, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. It's um, the most memorable one, I'd say, recently. And, and there have been a lot of really, really good gigs. Um, oh, yeah. But I'd sure. say uh, recently, the one that really sticks to mind the most, and that's because things have been closed down for such a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, my last club gig was in Berlin last year in february and everything started shutting down pretty much right after that and um that was a seven hour set which i played which you know we started around midnight and went until seven in the morning mm-hmm. and to me it felt like it was just two and a half three hours when the promoter like tapped me on the shoulder and said that uh, they're closing the the club <laughs> i was like what 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 time is it and uh, you know I, I take off my watch and everything put my phone away so i don't I have no idea what time it is in the zone um, huh? yeah yeah uh, and like i was completely shocked when uh, when i realized it was over and luckily wow. that set is recorded so um we uh-huh. were able to record that set it, it's on my soundcloud page you can it, it's called check it out uh, yeah sure yeah, live at Zeus Fargestern. Um, it's split up into three parts, mm-hmm. um, or you can listen to it in full on Mixcloud. But uh, I'd say, yeah, that's 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 one of my most memorable gigs. My most memorable gig simply because of the time that uh, that I felt like I was in a black hole and everything just kind of went yeah to, in warp speed. <laughs> that must um, be, but yeah, yeah, like totally absorbed in the moment. That I can see how that would be. Uh, that the answer for that one yeah just there, there was a set from paul van dyke i i remember i came across years ago i think this was oh five and uh i think it was sunshine live spacey owl i think that was a german show obviously he's from germany too obviously and uh it was like that it was just like this mega multi-hour thing and it, it's just the just the vibe of it is i think that's a topic that i've covered before and we're going to keep coming back to it's just you know, different music, virtual music, electronic music industry events I've gone to. It's just why are we in this? It's just the vibe and the passion. You know, the it's exciting. A lot of the stuff is exciting music. You know, that's why it's the, at its best. That's why I think we're in the electronic music scene. Yeah. And especially when something in particular, like a certain track that's just over in your head. There was a Guy J track from the Igor D mix I premiered. It's just certain things that invoke kind of that yeah excitement in, in your mind i'm sure that was sounds like that was kind of the vibe that was in your head for that gig yeah yeah um, yeah absolutely but, but you've you've uh spun as a dj in a lot of different countries actually right because then we're going to get to this too that um you literally are like a global like nomads you've kind of shifted around so maybe just talk a little bit briefly about like a couple of gigs and maybe some exotic locations or just various other locations around the world that you've play that yeah sure um so yeah i was living in asia for a while or you know traveling through asia 
Um, so I had some really good experiences there. I played in Singapore. Um, mm -hmm. Japan was amazing too. Uh, yeah. Thailand, um, Burning Man as well. You know, back back in the U.S., I think some of my oh, wow. best experiences were at Burning Man too. It's just it's so surreal. Wow. Um, so I think yeah, every every country has something unique to offer. It's um, it's good to see you know how people respond to sometimes the, sa the same music. Um, sometimes uh, they respond to different types of music better, but it's um, yeah. I, I think it's my gig in Japan. Definitely, I'd say is is one of those memorable ones. Um, you know, Burning Man for sure. I've been there four times. Uh, played there wow. three, and it's uh, it's different every single time. It's um, there are very few festivals that feel like a different place every single time you go. And for me mm -hmm. personally, Burning Man is one of them. I think, you know, if you go once either you're going to love it or hate it. And for me, it's already been four times. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> How did that come about? Was I think that in, just yeah. some people that you knew, like other promoters or you knew like one of the other, uh, DJs or people that were spinning there and that said, Hey, I mean, we have a slot we can put you on or is it sort of just, or can you just kind of just start, you know, break out some cdjs with like in i've not, not actually been to it in a camp and just start playing you know in your own little enclave sort of thing I'm not sure it's kind of uh, it could be both i mean okay. um yeah the people organizing the camps there could uh, could ask you to play or if you're with a okay. smaller camp with some friends you can take your own equipment and okay. um and, and play so there's like just different scales of parties happening uh, all over the playa so it's it's like really twenty four seven nonstop. So um, you can really make of it whatever you want to. Wow, yeah. And speaking of geolocation, so um, you're currently based in Berlin and from Los Angeles originally. Um, I guess first of all, um, why did you uh, settle on Berlin as a as your current base? It's really the music scene here that drew me. When I first got here, it was kind of um, you know I didn't really have an intention of staying this long. It was just me coming by after Amsterdam dance events um, and to check it out and visit, visit a friend. And yeah, the music scene here just really blew my mind. And the people I was meeting, the opportunities that were coming my way, the doors were, that were opening up for me. Um, it was just, yeah, after, after some time here, I just realized that uh, this is where I have to be. Um, so yeah, musically, it's completely where my my heart is. It's like uh, you know, the, the melodic techno sound is really yeah. kind of pulsing through the city's veins, and that yeah. blend of progressive um, and techno just uh, yeah, it's it's totally up my alley. So I felt like this is somewhere that I could really grow as an artist. I love the scene here, the venues here, the the crowds here. It's just such a. I mean. Yeah, like house and technos is is in the lifeblood of the city. It's 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 in the city's veins, and it's been like that since I don't know since the '90s, maybe or or maybe even or sooner than that. I don't know, but it's just it's been there for so long that um, it's like the default music that people listen to. So all the all the venues, and, and there's a lot of them. I think there's like you know I don't even know what the exact number of venues would be, but I'd say at least like. 15 or 20 of them that you could go to um i mean everything's closed now but uh but at the time it's like it's 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 amazing how much is going on every single day every single night uh dedicated mm -hmm. to this kind of music and people just love it so um yeah. i think there's only one like 
top 40 or hip hop club that I can even think of off the top of my head. Whereas in most cities you go to around the world and Berlin really is an exception in so many ways. Um, most cities you go to around the world, it's like house and techno is really underground. So, you know, if you're lucky to find one or two, maybe in the big cities, you'll have like a, a couple more venues, but um, I just loved it. And over the summer, it's gorgeous. The, you know, I'm a, a huge nature lover. So Berlin has a lot of nature, a lot of parks, really beautiful parks that are just teeming with life and greenery over the summer and the warmer months. So yeah, I think I've seen your Instagram. You put some really nice looking spots. Yeah, beautiful like areas. Looks like around when you take like on weekends and stuff. You go for hikes and um, even in the city. That's a sign of a great city. Yeah, like totally when you have parks like that. Yeah, Can yeah, imagine. and it's very walkable. You can even mm -hmm. get around. You don't need a car, so um, you can bike. It's a very bikeable city. Yeah, you can get around yeah. anywhere by bike or public mm -hmm. transport. They have great, great subway and like SkyTrain system, it's called the U-Bahn and the S-Bahn. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's really easy to get around the music. So, I mean, just, yeah, the city has a lot to offer in terms of my own likes. So yeah. it just, uh, it just, it was very natural for me. It wasn't like a, you know, rash decision. It was kind of just unfolded very naturally. So. Yeah. It's interesting how, um, I, like, for example, like I knew like how big like electronic music was and dance music was like Europe wide, but I guess maybe it didn't, didn't hit me particularly how like um, how much of a percentage from what you're saying it sounds like at least especially in Berlin that the the music listener is really more to the electronic side of the house techno. I was like that that totally makes sense where you in uh, where you'd want to be there and then the, the fact that you have like all these things you know going on every where every night there's multiple things going on ongoing basis. It's like an active, living, thriving scene. Yeah, I guess. Thanks for that. It's a great answer. It helps explain really why Berlin is the mecca that I think a lot of people think it is for the electronic music scene in general. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so compared to LA, I guess, how would you kind of compare, contrast the two scenes, like with the electronic and the dance music, so LA vis-a-vis uh, -vis, um, Berlin? So, yeah, that's a good question. I think in LA, the people who love this music are also super passionate about it. Like, mm -hmm. um, I think the scene that's in LA, the underground scene that's there, it's it's also great. I mean, I love the people in that scene and yeah, everyone running that scene and, and the people kind of holding that scene together. Um, they're super passionate about this music. Like they, they love it. And um, so it's nice to see that in LA as well. And I think it's growing, or I like to think that it's growing, at least. I don't know if <laughs> there's any kind of bias there because I'm so deeply involved with the scene. But it's, um, you know, LA has a great scene as well. It's just in, in, you know, comparing the two cities, like LA just doesn't have as many regular venues dedicated to this kind of music. Um, like at the moment, you know, the, the, there are maybe like, three venues, three or four venues, but, you know, EDM really, really isn't a thing here. Whereas I think most of the underground venues in LA have turned more towards EDM. That's um, what I might imagine. So there's really like, yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah. So, so really when you take that into consideration, you have only like one or two clubs that are playing underground music. And if you're going to really like focus more on, you know, deep house and progressive and, and that sound, um, or melodic house and techno you can maybe even say there's one but la also has a lot of one-off events like you have a lot of special events that are organized um it centers mostly around uh, bigger international headliners uh, I, I think in la whereas in berlin um, you have that as well but you um 
you have like Watergate, for example, that brings in a lot of big international acts. But, you know, there are so many other venues that are that are run by, um, you know, people just organizing these events. So I think uh, the people who are going to those events are not necessarily looking for headliners. They just want to go and enjoy music. And it's more about the scene itself um, rather than being so headliner driven. So I think in Berlin, you have both. You have uh, you have like really big, big acts who are based here, too. They have studios here um, and Berlin is sort of their base as well. But I think you see a really huge, like locally driven um, event, uh, like narrative as well. So. Um, so, yeah, I think it's also the fact that everything in L.A. is kind of it's spread out, you know, so yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it doesn't lend itself to communal probably aspect as much where Europe is more centralized. I think, yeah, in the cities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, I, I thought about this for a while. And I think that's huge because if you want to go to an event in L.A., you know, for most people, it's going to be a drive. And mm-hmm. um you know, if you want to move to a different venue after that point, then you have to get in your car again and drive somewhere else. And most people are just not willing to do that. So um, that's one thing. The other thing is that everything shuts down at two pretty much um, in L.A. Maybe, you know, the, the some venues can stay open longer, like four or six sometimes. Um, and then everything goes underground. So you have a lot of uh, like, you know, warehouse events and stuff like that. But um, I mean, in Berlin, it's it's nonstop. It's it's 24 hours, and there are no limitations at all. So you can go to several venues in one night, and it's really easy to get around. You just leave, um, you know, hop on the train, or you know, sometimes even walk there. So it's it's really easy to keep things kind of connected. And I think, yeah, it, even though you have all these separate venues across the city, in some ways, it feels more unified. Um, whereas in LA, just, I mean, LA is massive compared to, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's just, um, everything yeah. just seems a lot farther out. So yeah. yeah, I think that does have something to do with it for sure. Um, I do yeah. love a lot of the, the, the events by the, by the beach, you know, the piers that are organized in, in LA, that's kind of cool to see, but I think here in Berlin, you'd see events like that by the lakes, um, sure. in the summer. So yeah, I think this, the two cities have similarities and differences, but, um, but yeah, I mean, in, in, in Berlin, it's just like on overdrive. <laughs> yeah, I guess sort of on a semi-related note, how would you kind of compare, like, I guess, um, the European cities like Berlin versus Amsterdam? I guess may, even more so in my mind, like, I'd be curious to see your thoughts on Berlin versus Amsterdam, but also maybe throwing Paris or, or London in there too, you know, based on what what, what experience you have of like, be in those cities or other, you know, maybe even Italy, um, you know, I don't know, other places in Europe too, the main areas. Yeah. So I think, um, I think as far as the number of events and um, especially underground uh, music, I think Berlin is still the, the Mecca. Like um, you can get way more experimental as an artist in Berlin and have it be well-received, whether hmm. you're doing music or arts, it, it's just, um it's very artsy in that way. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, Amsterdam, Amsterdam as well, but I think, you know, and, and this is just my opinion, it's, it's subjective. Maybe if you ask someone else, you'd get a different answer, but I think Amsterdam, um, there are fewer events happening. They do, you know, there are more like festivals and stuff like that, like uh, that, that, that have a bigger draw. Um, Amsterdam does have more like of a commercial leaning to like ma- managers and agencies and stuff like that are 
based in Amsterdam, they tend to do more like uh, commercial, um, I guess, dance music. Although there is an underground sure. scene for sure. You do have a pretty big underground scene there, but, um, but yeah, like it, it, it would be different in that regard compared to Berlin. So okay. um, actually a friend of mine made a pretty good comparison. He was like, yeah, and uh, Amsterdam is, is, is where you go for like the, uh, the business side of things. Whereas in Berlin, you go there uh -huh. for the bleeps and bloops. Okay. Hence, so, I was, of course, like I was just thinking to ADE. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. ADE is huge. Um, and then if you look at some of the really big, um, like more commercial labels and stuff, they're all based in Amsterdam. Berlin has a lot of really yeah, awesome I was just labels say, too. Yeah. Like Arm um, Van Buren, like Ferry Corsten, um, a lot of those Dutch dudes are like, yeah, based out of big name guys out of Amsterdam. I think, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of them. Yeah. It seems like to me, there's like a lot, a lot of uh, blending of like trance dance kind of thing and even some trance dance EDM and um, back to, yeah, back to your topic too, about EDM, more of the EDM big, sounds like big name, big box EDM side, sort of like LA, I guess, to contrast with, um, uh, with Berlin. Yeah. Yeah, like I think big room EDM and stuff is definitely there's a scene for it in Amsterdam and uh, yeah, like a lot of the artists that are making that sound would uh, would probably be better off in in Amsterdam, whereas in Berlin, you know, there isn't really uh, there really isn't much of that going on. Although um, although you do have like bigger acts like that, you know, based in Berlin as well. So it's it's just the number the, the volume when you compare the volume, um, I think. If you're going to do underground music, Berlin just is uh, it caters to that a, a lot better. But okay. like I said, like yeah. Berlin does have like festivals where it's huge acts and you know EDM is played, but you're not really going to find a club that's going to play that as much in comparison to like all the underground clubs. Okay, got it. Yeah, so it sounds like number of uh, number of venues as a whole, thriving, active scene going on constantly, 24 hours a day, and in, uh, in Berlin, Berlin's more for the avant-garde underground experimental. And it's interesting how you brought up the point too, about if you're, um, independent, you know, indie underground producer, you can kind of try stuff out, um, and not have to worry about, Oh, is it like mainstream enough? And you can actually grow your following. Um, yeah, so if you're a melodic house guy, uh, organic house, DJing, whatever, um, I can see, yeah, why that would be draw more people to want to be, uh, move and uh, set up shop there. Yeah. Start to yeah, make sense. I mean, why? Yeah. Even if you're even if you're making music that doesn't have a name, if you're just making granular kind of experimental music, there's yeah. somewhere you could actually play that. Maybe it's like at a museum or whatever. I mean, pe people would be open to it. There's there's a way to organize that. Um, so so yeah, I think in terms of yeah, there's this feeling of freedom that I feel in Berlin for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it it's just uh, in the city's values. Um, and you feel that you know you, you feel that uh, creatively for sure so the city is very complex i mean there are a lot of layers here you know a lot, there's a yeah. lot of depth to the city so sure so i can imagine yeah mm -hmm. uh, so and speaking of international destinations uh yeah sort of uh, sort of shifting gears over here so you you have a book i know entitled the nomadic producer's handbook um what is that book about exactly and what kind of information does it contain? What kind of message would you like to send through your book, uh, Nomadic Producer's Handbook? So, yeah, I wrote that book during my travels and it's, um, yeah, I'd say it's partly um, addressing mindset and partly technical. Uh, a large part of it is mindset too, because 
there are certain mental limitations that I had to overcome myself to, to be able to live that kind of a lifestyle. And one of the limitations for me at the time was, you know, how am I going to keep making, you know, really good music that, that's, that, that has great sound quality while I'm on the road, you know, without uh, being in a studio, like my studio in LA at the time. And um, there was a lot of trial and error involved um, in, in making that happen and, you know, speaking to, to other engineers and working with different engineers and figuring out what works and what doesn't work and, um, and just putting my own knowledge and experience into practice, um, you know, buying gear that could work and that could not work, finding the, you know, what, what gear do I really need versus what don't I need because everything goes in your backpack. You want to make sure that everything that's in there is going to give you a lot of utility and not just something you may or may not need. So I had to make these um, essential decisions about what gear goes with me, what does not, um, how can I get results, you know, without all the weight and the bulk, you know, keeping things lightweight and then choosing which gear that I can trust, uh, you know, because I may be somewhere where I have no access to, um, you know, like a guitar center or something like that, or just music. And, um, and I want to make sure that the gear I have is reliable. So, so it's, it's, it's really years and years of trial and error, um, and, and money spent on my end and, um, and, and getting results. Like I said, when I was traveling through Japan, I wrote rituals and, um, that's when I knew oh, that, okay. that my system was working because I was signing, um, signing these tracks and, and they were going really far and I was really happy with the results of um of the, of the music i was re releasing so um i was getting a lot of questions from other producers uh, just on that like either they want to mm -hmm. travel maybe not as uh not with a long-term mindset that i had at the time like i was really aiming for long-term travel at that point but you know i was getting messages and emails from producers who wanted to go tra traveling for like two or three weeks and they wanted to take their rig with them and they would email me and uh, or message me and ask me what i'd recommend for them and Mm -hmm. Yeah, over time, this kind of became a guide. So I would write some, you know, write out a few things, and you know, I'd put together some guides for 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 people, and uh, and I began to expand on that, and okay. um, and so that's kind of where it started. It began as a um, as a written testament to my my travels and my own processes, and. A large part of that, like I said, was also mindset because um, hmm. there, there there are certain like limiting beliefs or mental limitations that you'd have to overcome and a lot of fears as well. I mean, you're stepping into unknown territory. You're going into countries that you've never been before. Um, you know, they're working in a different system. The culture is different. The language is different. So there are a lot of unknowns that, that seem to hold people back from wanting to, to, to embark on this, uh, you know, journey in whatever capacity, like whether it's short-term or long-term. So I address all that in the book too. And, um, and a lot of that is also my own, uh, you know, my own process overcoming those fears and those challenges and also helping others overcome that too. So um, at the end, the, the point of the book is to, you know, it, it's targeted towards music producers who want to travel and whether they're going on tour or whether they want to travel for, for, for fun and for pleasure, it's, it's, it's geared towards music producers who want to travel and how you can make that happen so that you can use your experiences as a creative input um, and, 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 and write great music. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. It's interesting, too, how you wrote um, one of your tracks, Ritual on the Road. Um, 
I guess I, I always think it's cool when I hear like producers and singer songwriters when they talk about how they, I don't know. I guess it's really cool to me when they wrote uh, something on the road, not just some like little sample snippet, but maybe something that kind of really turned out to be a cool track. And uh, like you say, is with Rituals got picked up. That was your one that got picked up by Oakenfold, right? They have a great reception. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really, um, like played musically um, in other countries, but yeah, I've, I've uh, visited around Europe and other countries alone by myself. And yeah, it can be both a terrifying and exhilarating experience but that really i was just talking about this with a friend of mine the other night how that's that experience of travel and being around other culture exposure other cultures really sets you apart in some ways versus people that haven't it's not not necessarily like of course no one's like better or worse than anyone else but it's a different set of experience that when you meet other people who have also traveled around too that you can kind of relate with or have also like lived in other countries too i lived in france for a little while i studied french like some years ago and Oh, yeah, nice. it can be really scary, terrifying, even sometimes going on to different places where you're not familiar with. But that's that's how, as they say, that's how you grow. And uh, so I guess so. You touch on that, um, ex- the experiences from that, uh, and uh, I guess it's interesting too how you like draw together, combine like the mindset aspects with recommendations. I guess more on the technical side, like gear, production techniques, um, blend them together. Yeah, that's. Uh, and by the way, too, everyone, uh, you can uh, find out about Arthur's book at nomadicproducers.com. Just throw that out there, too. Uh, I think, I think, do you offer that up for subscribers? Um, is, is it like an ebook where you can download that for free if you sign up for the newsletter? Is, do you have, or you had that at one time, or is it, how does that like? Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, th- I do have some free guides that, that you can grab uh, at okay. nomadicproducers.com. And, okay. um, yeah. and, you know, there, there is a paid version of the book, which is, okay. I think it's like 70 pages or so. Um, it's available as an audiobook as well uh, on Audible and Amazon. Um, there's also a video course that you can take through Udemy. But okay. yeah, during the pandemic, since um, you know it's it, it was a lot of tough times for artists, and I realized that people yeah. are not going to be traveling. I um, I basically made the ebook, uh, and and still you can you can download it. Uh, it's name your own price. So I felt like I didn't want to limit okay. anybody mm-hmm. out there. Um, okay. because of finances. So I just, I felt like that was pretty fair um, given the current state of circumstances around the world. So, um, so even the, the paid version is now just name your own price. So um, similar to like so a yeah, band camp style, like a lot of people do that. I, call, I would call it like band camp style for some reasons. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's a good way to do that too, because that's, that's sort of another side of like pricing and for like music producers recouping stuff. But that's a that's a good way to do that because yeah you do a lot of folks don't have necessarily the budget but um, versus free maybe someone can actually donate a couple of dollars a couple of euros pounds to toward what you've done yeah that's a that's a good way to do that sometimes yeah again that's nomadicproducers.com for everybody so you know I felt like this was a time that a lot of people are having wanderlust you know we can't really travel as much and yeah uh, yeah it's true at least that way you can maybe build up some excitement for when things pick back up again. And, uh, you know, or as you're reading the book, you're kind of, you know, traveling in your mind to different places and it's, 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 you know, there's that element of novelty that you can get through some mental stimulation rather than, uh, you know, actually being somewhere since that's not a possibility for a lot of people these days. So, um, so yeah, I felt like it, it is a pretty uh, personal uh, account, especially in some parts I talk a lot about my own, personal journeys there too. So, you know, hopefully it'll give you an insight into my own thought process and how, how I was able to overcome um, my own fears and, and make that happen since that was always something that was 
I really wanted to, something I really wanted to do. Um, and, and I'm glad I did. So hopefully it inspires those of you out there who have wanderlust and a desire to create and share music with the world as well. Yeah, it sounds like a so, sort of a semi-niche kind of thing where, I mean, maybe there's not a lot of things like that available for someone who'd want to be able to um, look up some solid advice on how to take the show on the road. It sounds like there's maybe not that many books available. And it's interesting, it sounds like, too, how that came about is um, born out of necessity. You, start getting, you started getting a lot of people questioning you about that. So you're like, oh, I guess there's a need for that. So I'll write the book. And yeah, now that everyone's starting to slightly slowly but surely travel again i think there's going to be more folks interested yeah let's check this out yeah um speaking of pandemics arthur too yeah just tell us a little bit about uh what you've done musically during the pandemic i guess it's been like what like a full solid year and um i guess a lot of people are saying they have a lot of free time i can say for myself personally for elect fans have been crazy busy so i'm sure you've had some musical stuff you've been working on during this crazy pandemic yeah um yeah, definitely. I've been working on music, uh, doing a lot of experimentation too. Just working on music that I don't, I have no mm-hmm. intention of releasing. Just okay. kind nice. of um, a lot of times I'll just do these experimental tracks to push my own boundaries mm-hmm. um, and do things that I normally wouldn't because maybe it's not appropriate for the genre or um, it just wouldn't make sense in like you know the type of music that I normally do. So I mm-hmm. yeah, I've been experimenting a lot with different types of um sounds and um yeah it has given me a chance to step outside of the 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 normal um workflow and then the the normal aim that i have when i'm creating music i think one of the biggest differences has been that you know pre-pandemic times the music that i make is geared towards clubs and dancing and um and so whenever i'm creating music in my mind i'm thinking well how would this work on the dance floor how would people react to this on the dance floor okay. or what kind of a space would it create on the dance floor what kind of an atmosphere or a headspace would it put people in mm-hmm. and um and i think the first few months of the pandemic i still had that mindset but then once mm-hmm. i realized that there's really you know nobody knows when this is going to end i kind of began to get out of that and so there were less limitations in what i was making i didn't really um, focus so much on creating music for the dance floor i just created on focusing music um so it's like i saw other artists doing similar along a similar vein doing some trying different genres or just going like kind of ballistic balls out just okay what can we try just kind of more experimental it seems like i've seen other artists i can't think of any particulars it seems like i've seen other artists kind of go along similar veins last year too because of the lockdown restrictions yeah yeah and um yeah definitely spent more time you know like playing piano and just uh, um, just learning more about things that I that I normally wouldn't really have the time for or just wouldn't have a reason to because it doesn't directly apply to what I was doing. So I just let I just followed my curiosity and saw it as an opportunity to, to experiment with things. Um, I did launch a label as well. I launched my own label based off of the radio show called Global Entry Recordings. So yeah, oh, okay. it's, it's an offshoot of Global Entry Radio. Cool. Um, We're going to play a track. Uh, you did a collab with a producer called Sebu Hindsight. Um, maybe you can set this up for a little, little bit for us and tell us what that was like and that's about. Yeah, sure. So um, Sebu is the vocalist from the band Capital Cities. Uh, they're they're most known for their song Safe and Sound, but um, yeah, they have really, really great music and I, I love what Sebu does. He's a um, great songwriter, great person, just really easy to work with, easy to get along with. And 
Um, and we wrote this track together called uh, Hindsight. Um, so he's the songwriter behind it. He wrote the lyrics and um, and the vocals behind it. So um, so yeah, the, the track went really well. We were both really, really happy with it. And um, and yeah, we, we, we had a very specific way that we want to to get it out and a timeline that we want to release it. So um, after we considered it, you know, we felt like it was it was best to do um, to, to, to do it on our own. And that's kind of where okay. the, uh, the idea to launch the label um, was born. So it's basically hmm. an offshoot of the show. So it's it's a similar sound to what you'd hear on the radio show. Um, at this moment, it's mostly an outlet, you know, for me to release music that I'm working on and people who I'm collaborating with and other artists who I'm working with. So okay. it's, a, it's a very spe- specific purpose behind it. But yeah, it's tied very closely into the radio show. So I think if you're a fan of the radio show, then uh, then you'd be a fan of the label as well. Okay, yeah. So let's check out uh, Hindsight. Uh, here's this is Galustian and Sebu. This is the, is the first release, is it, on your new label, Global Entry Recordings? Yeah. Uh, it's a uh, hindsight. Let's have a listen here. Hindsight. Hindsight uh, from Galustian and Cebu. Yeah. So uh, when w- when did that track come out, actually? Uh, that was released in April. Okay. So it's pretty new. And we yeah. have a remix from Olivier Giacomoto. I think he did a fantastic job uh-huh. on the remix. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Yeah. What's the reception for that been like so far for that one? Yeah, it's been great. Um, it's been supported by uh, like Maura Impure. She played it on her radio show. Okay. Wow, um, nice. Yeah. Nicole Mudaber which was awesome. Um, Benny Benassi as well. Oh, jeez, um, nice. So, so yeah, Joris uh, Vorn played it as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's gotten some really good support and, um, and yeah, we're, we're both really excited. Cool. Yeah. 
And also, I thought I'd play one other track too. So, you had another, I think this is one of your other more recent releases, Dreaming with uh, mm-hmm. Brooke Higgins on vocals. It's on Click Records. Um, yep. Um, let's see. Um, when did that track come out, actually? So, that track, I actually. Uh, I wrote that in the summer of 2019 originally, and I played it at Burning Man for the first time uh, that year. And so it definitely has that. uh, I mean, it was inspired from from Burning Man, basically, like the feeling that I have when I'm out there. So it's very Hmm. um, optimistic, you know, it feels like sunshine to me. And Brooke Higgins is a um, she she's a Berkeley College of Music graduate, so she did the vocals on that, and I thought her vocals were perfect for the track. Um, so that was originally written in 2019 and released in this in I think it was in January of 2020, and the original was released. And um, the the label head of Click Records, uh, his name is Stefano Ricetta. He, um, well, it was originally released on a compilation and uh, he wanted to give it a, a proper release on its own as, a, as, a, as an EP. So, okay. um, so there's a new version that was released just recently. I think it was in May. Um, okay. So there's the original on there. Um, we have a dub mix as well. And then uh, we have the Stefano Ricetta remix. So he did his own remix of it. And I think he did a great job with that as well. So, um, so that's kind of a backstory behind it. It's a... Uh, it's got some history going back to Burning Man. Nice. Burning Man inspired track from Galustian, uh, Dreaming featuring uh, Brooke Higgins on vocals. Uh, let's check it out.
was dreaming and yeah you can totally i think pick up some of that uh mystical you know enchanted vibe too with the kind of that little two minute there snippet there of it yeah nice work so these are two your more uh recent works i guess huh yeah yeah those those two are released um those are my most recent ones from this year so it's uh it's it's nice to hear that every single time it reminds me of a lot of good times on the uh, on the playa <laughs> great yeah um do you have any uh upcoming gigs lined up at the moment arthur i know things are still i feel like the opening up process sort of still like in its infancy but do you have anything you know lined up particularly yeah there's there's out? nothing that's been finalized and concrete but mm-hmm. um yeah there there are some potential gigs on the horizon um you know i don't want to mention any of them, any of them since it's not uh not okay. final but um okay. but yeah i think things are slowly starting to shape up you can always check my website um i always put up okay. my gig dates there there haven't been any additions for a while but um but yeah when whenever a gig's announced it's always uh put up there you can also um track me on songkick or bands in town so it'll automatically uh send a notification as soon as a gig is announced and you can do that through my website so Cool. Yeah. No. So, yeah. Do you have uh, what are your plans actually for when everything is full on open again, or do you really have any? You still waiting till actually oh, happens uh, for as far as that goes. <laughs> officially, I, I definitely am really looking forward to non-essential travel. Uh, just traveling mm-hmm. for the sake of, of 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 being able to travel um, freely and having friends come by and visit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people are just really waiting. For that again to, to be able to travel freely and, and without worry so um mm-hmm. I, I think the vaccinations are rolling out really really quickly um in the u.s yeah. for sure i think yeah. here in europe now it's at a at least in germany um it's at a point where uh, you know it's open to everybody so um i think it's going to be rolling out a lot quicker so so yeah i think uh for me it would be the freedom of travel it's i, I think it's something i definitely miss yeah, I know it's a big one for you. Yeah, but for anyone, yeah, it really. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, too, when you're talking about mindset, that's definitely hit everyone literally over the head so hard this last, you know, year. And I think that's a, I'd say also, because for those of us working within the music industry, because it's just so tough to really make any traction headway, I think that's that topic is a great one regardless. And uh, some of the music events that I go to, um, there's one by a woman named Elaine Wang, who I'm hoping going to hope to get on here one of these next upcoming interviews runs a company called uh, neon owl see has dealt with that topic and i think there's been other ones song trader i think it's a company that did some that you know that's been a huge topic but and one of the cures for that yeah it totally is this change of scenery and your surroundings from travel yeah reinvigoration of your psyche and soul even without the music side but then for your work in music too yeah to reinvigorate that yeah yeah absolutely and and, so and of course to along. see yeah. and, and seeing clubs open again too i mm-hmm. think at least in europe you know the summertime is fine you know there, there are so many chances to do outdoor events but once things start cooling down as we get closer to the winter um you know it's it would be nice to be able to to see friends and have uh, events indoors again so that's only possible once everything is back to normal so so yeah, lots of things to look forward to, but in the meantime, all we can do is adapt and make the most of it. So, um, yeah, for sure, that's kind of where the world is at now. Yeah, 
And again, you can check out um, all the latest and greatest on Arthur's website at galestianmusic.com. And it's a great website. You've got very comprehensive. You've got tons of info on all the different topics. So, well, there, and also soundcloud.com slash galestianmusic. I think you're on Mixcloud. And again, the book, inter- really interesting book that uh, Arthur did that we just discussed earlier in the interview too, you can check out at uh, nomadicproducers.com. And I uh, want to play one uh, more track from you here too, Arthur. So this is um, upcoming business, right? A track all for you. It's going to be coming out in I- Iconic Noir. I think you said the release date got pushed back, pushed up to July 5th. Um, set us up a little intro on uh, track all for you. So would. that one was written in Berlin um, and it's, it's different from what I normally do. It's kind of like a mix of, in, in my estimation, like a mix of progressive house and a little bit of indie dance in there too. So it's, it's it was kind of hard for me to categorize, but okay. um, yeah, that, that, that was really me experimenting with, uh, with some sounds. And I was like, well, how can I bring these two together? Cause I had these really lush pads and like this aggressive, bass sound that i really really liked and i think um at, at first i was like well can these really two go together and i and i and i think they can so that's uh that that the track kind of was based around that and um and i and, and i found a good home for it so iconic was one of the first labels that i released with back in 2017 i think i signed with them in 2016 and still to this day it's one of the most uh played uh, played out um, releases that uh, that's been put out. So I think at the time Iconic was, um, you know, looking for a good remixer and Ezekiel Arias ended up doing a remix of my track called Tell Me, which got huge support from like Nick Warren and Hernan and um, all the progressive guys at the time. So, nice, um, nice. so when I sent, uh, when I sent this track to them, I felt like it was kind of uh, things coming full circle again, cause they, they really did help. Um, get my releases out especially in south america where progressive is really big so yeah yeah for sure iconic yeah that's kind of a one of the more i think widely known labels for the deeper progressive yeah for sure type thing yeah so yeah it's good to be back on the label again and i'm excited for it yeah, when you said progressive house and indie dance too, I thought another thing, electro fast too. That's sort of yeah. <laughs> one of our fortes that you know that we that we like to cover. So, all right, let's check out a little sample here of uh, Galestian's "All for You." It's going to be coming out um, July fifth on Iconic Noir. Here's the radio edit. Let's have a listen. It's all for you.
great stuff. Uh, yeah, again, that's all for you. It's going to be coming out on Iconic Noir on July 5th. You heard it first here on Electrifying. So awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think um, that probably will cover it pretty well, I think, for interview today. Um, Arthur, yeah. Were there, was there any other last uh, comments or, you know, just anything you'd like to say that about anything you're going to be doing upcoming or anything like that for Electrifying um, listeners? I think I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah, if you guys want to stay in touch with any upcoming dates or releases, uh, yeah, my website's GillespieMusic.com. You can also subscribe to my Global Entry Radio Show for free. It's a um, podcast. It's also on over fifty different outlets around the world, like uh, Mambo Radio in Ibiza. I think it's eighty nine point four FM, uh, DI.FM, or you can subscribe to the podcast if you want to get it. Um, and yeah, you can find that at GlobalEntryRadio.com. Okay, cool. Yeah, and the hub again uh, for all of Gillespie Music is going to be at GillespieMusic.com. So right. <laughs> yeah, make sure to check that out. So yeah, Arthur, thanks a lot for, uh, it's been almost a year in the making. I know I promise you, you're going to be one of the first guests. So second episode of uh, the series Pro Talk. So yeah, it's been great having you on, man. And so yeah, I look forward to keeping up with your new uh, work. Thanks for sharing some of your new and upcoming uh, music from us too. Look forward to checking that out. And getting back to things in Berlin. So yeah, thanks for joining us, Arthur and happy safe travels. And we'll see you on the flip side. Take care. Yeah. And thank you for having me on Kevin. And thank you uh, to, to your listeners. I appreciate you guys listening and uh, it's great connecting, great connecting with all of you. For sure. All right. Peace all right, out. Take guys. care. Till okay, next time. See